course, yet another edition of the Degenerate Hawkeyes podcast. Trent and Biz talking the world of Hawkeye athletics with you. Iowa fresh off a dominating performance as they beat up and really beat up Iowa State in Hilton Coliseum. The Hawkeyes with another victory here, the non-conference portion of the schedule. Two more games left before we get back into Big Ten play. Good feelings, good vibes going on right now, Biz. How about that last night? That was a butt-kicking, Trent. There's there's no uh, other way to describe it. They just, uh, the Hawks came out from the get-go and were the more aggressive, tougher, uh, just better team. And it was, uh, <laughs> you know, anybody that tells you they were expecting that is uh, full of crap, Trent. Because, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think we all agree the Hawks have played good basketball the last few weeks. But uh, to go into Hilton and to put up that kind of a butt-kicking uh, this may not be the best Iowa State team, but it's certainly not a bad Iowa State team either. And so, uh, you know, that was that was impressive and, and a heck of a lot of fun to watch. It was. Uh, got off to a great start, of course, hitting three-pointers early on. Wieskamp got going. It was a, a team effort. It was up and down the roster, all, ten, uh, all five starters scoring double digits in the victory. They did a little bit of everything in that one and a lot of certainly directions to go. So let's do that. And uh, take a look back at what we saw in some of the pieces. You know, Biz, one of the first things I want to talk about is the play of Luka Garza. And he had the great performance on Friday night uh, a week ago against Michigan, but in a losing effort. But just the change that we've seen out of him. He's a guy that could always score. Scoring was never a problem for him. But his game has expanded so much more. And one thing I, I guess I just kind of forgot about, and somebody brought it up to me uh, before the game yesterday, Remember Luca Garza a year ago? He was coming off that surgery to remove the nine-pound cyst from his abdomen. Boy, uh, what an off-season he has had! And, and taking, yes, he's still lumbering. He still takes a while to get up and down the field court, but he plays so hard. And you can see the work that he put in this off-season certainly coming to fruition. Well, and the, the area that people really haven't talked about much is he's really improved at his ability to just stay on the court. Uh, last year, he was guaranteed in the first five minutes of most games to pick up a ticky-tack foul. And it was usually just because he, he didn't get to position in time or he was overly aggressive and he'd pick up a dumb foul and a rebound. You know, he's gotten a lot better at, you know, he's always going to play incredibly hard. But uh, I always thought in the past, you know, sometimes that, that effort would cost him because he'd pick up a dumb foul here or there. And, and he's done a great job of uh, – Avoiding foul trouble, and, and when you know, you pretty much it's money in the bank. If Luca plays more than thirty minutes, he's going to put up uh, either a double double or darn close to it. He is uh, every single time out. You can see how effective. It, and the great thing is, you know, Iowa State. This isn't some of the past Iowa State teams that were limited in what they can do outside. Not at all. This is a team that has three different defenders that I think are definitely on the plus side of the ledger with Jacobson, Solomon Young, and George Condit off the bench. Three guys that can defend you different ways, and it didn't matter. Luca Garza was able to figure it out, and it seems like he's becoming also more comfortable getting the ball out. When the double team comes, it feels like he's seeing the floor much better. Well, it was funny last night. He had, he had three assists, and that was his season high. Uh, that shocked me, I guess. I thought, you know, he's always been pretty good at, at getting out of double teams. And I, he's always been, you know, Pretty self, pretty unselfish, I thought. But I was shocked that three was his season high. But uh, yeah, he, he's gotten better and better at that. And you know, just the, uh, you know, the word that 
I keep coming back to for this team is, is toughness. They're just they're a tough basketball team, and that's something that you and I have talked about for years. Has always been kind of the Achilles heel of some of Fran's teams is uh, a lack of toughness or just uh, testicular fortitude at times. But man, last night, you know, I think every Iowa fan when, when the Clones cut it to seven in the second half, they probably all said the same thing: uh, "Here we go again." But uh, this team's different. Um, you know, they, they, you know, and it came from a variety of different ways. Obviously, everybody talked about Connor hitting the big three to get it back to ten. But you know, the next three or four buckets, there was a bucket by Garza, a three by Frederick, a three by Joe, and all of a sudden we're we're back up sixteen. They're, they're just a, a really unselfish, tough group right now. So, speaking of past Fran teams, and this is something that I think we have uh, brought up a couple of times this basketball season, but hope for maybe the way that this can be different. And you saw that Iowa State. They finally made a run in the second half. They got it back within seven, but Iowa answered. And Iowa had an answer for this team seemingly each and every time the Cyclones would go on any kind of mini run. It's nothing you can measure. I can't look at my favorite, Ken Palm, and find a metric that measures you know, having having a big sack and not caring about things. But this team has that. They, they have a bunch of guys out there that don't seem scared of the big moment. But even... Even in their losses, I thought they've, uh, you know, they fought. The Michigan game, you know, we lost by, what, 10 or 12, but there was never a moment in that game where you felt like we were just completely out of it and we're going to get blown, the doors blown off. I mean, that was one of the things, you know, a couple of years ago, that 14-19 and 19 team, it was pretty much guaranteed every game there was going to be a four- or five-minute stretch where, uh, you know, we let our uh, lack of offense affect our defense. And that's one of the things I think this team has done better at is that they don't let their offense dictate the defensive end. Uh, you know, they, they had a couple stretches yesterday where they didn't score much. You know, we had, what, 28 points with uh, 10, 11 minutes to go in the first half, and we ended the half with, what, 39? I mean, we didn't, we didn't do much the last 10 minutes of that half. And the reason we were up 15 at the half was we played really good defense all half. And so, you know, it's – we talk about it all the time, and, and you know, it's, again, they're going to have to do it for more than, than three weeks. They're going to have to do it through the grind of a really long 20-game Big Ten schedule. But uh, this defensive team and this uh, intensity level just looks a little different than some years in the past. So uh, we, we talked about Luca Garza, his performance in the game. Good to see Wieskamp the last couple of games. He's been, been getting going as well. It wasn't a great shooting night for Connor McCaffrey, uh, Connor McCaffrey for George Bohannon, but going to be remembered for what happened at the end of the game. Your thoughts on Jordan with the kiss to the crowd and then leaving his, uh, signing his shoes and then leaving him on the hardwood there in Hilton. Well, Jordan definitely uh, does not lack for confidence. He, uh, you know, good for him, I guess, for uh, putting it out there and uh, starting the war and uh, you, you, if you're going to run your mouth uh, and, and you pull out a big victory like that, you might as well, uh, you might as well enjoy it a little bit. So, you know, it's one of it's one of those things where as an Iowa fan you love it. If you're uh, an Iowa State fan, you probably uh, despise it. But uh, you know, I honestly think it's, it's kind of overblown a little bit. I, I think to be honest with you, if you ask him and George Yang, I think they're probably, if not friends, they probably at least communicate with each other, and it's kind of uh, all in fun. But yeah, as an Iowa fan, and it's pretty sweet to see. It is no doubt. We're talking here about the Iowa victory. It was a dominating performance, Biz. Mention McCaffrey, C.J. Frederick, too. Uh, this dude continues to impress. I love him. He is awesome. How about Creener off the bench coming in there? He's even flexing at the crowd. 
Now, well, if you skipped over Conor McCaffrey, I, I think it's unfair to, you know, for whatever reason, the Iowa fan base has not embraced him. But, I don't get uh, it. Man, he, uh, uh, game in and game out, he does so many little things that uh, help this team. You know, he garden guys, you know, you know, power forwards a lot of times when we go to that four-man, the four-guard offense, and you know, he's not afraid to, to, to stick his nose in there. You know, we talked about before, he's kind of our Brian Cardinal. He's, he's definitely, uh, he doesn't lack for confidence, and this whole team right now doesn't lack for confidence. And, and same with Creener, you know, he, he's one of those guys, he's goofy as heck, and but when things are going right, he, uh, he can be pretty tough to stop with his kind of goofy moves, so... They're a team that just across the board, uh, from top to bottom, just as confident as can be. And, and on the flip side, I thought Iowa State you know, just looked like a team that had zero confidence right from the yeah. get go. They just didn't look uh, didn't look like a team that you know, they obviously they obviously had shot the ball well all year long. And it showed. Mentioned Ken Pomeroy, Iowa up to number twenty four in those rankings, and the number one offense in the country as it's uh, adjusted for efficiency. The top rated. Offense in the country, this Iowa Hawkeyes squad. Biz, you talk about, go back a month ago, and November 11th, the day starts off with Xavier Foster announcing his intention to go to Iowa State. Even though he grew up a Hawkeye fan in Southeast Iowa, he's going to go to Iowa State. That stung. Then they go out and get absolutely throttled by DePaul, and it felt like eh, maybe the walls weren't caving in. Maybe that's a little hyperbolic here, but... Iowa basketball, there were some big question marks, and here we sit just over a month later, and it's all sunshine and rainbows. Well, you can expand that to football, too, Trent. It's been a pretty damn great month to be a Hawks fan. You know, November 9th, we lost to Wisconsin in football, and it looked like the sky was falling on the football team. And then November 11th, we get uh, that bloodbath against DePaul. You know, almost exactly a month later, look where both programs are at. You know, the football team ends – on a high note, and they're going to go play uh, the bowl game they, they were kind of hoping to get to, I think. And then uh, the basketball team, like you said, has been a heck of a month. And, and not only have they won some big games, they've done them all away from Carver. You know, Texas Tech, Syracuse, and Iowa State, all three away from Carver. I can't remember many Iowa teams at all that have had three better on-the-road wins uh, out of conference. But, you know, we just – a lot of times, like, you know, I don't want to get you going on this, but a lot of times our, our non-conference schedule is such filled with so many cupcakes and all the opportunities. But this year, uh, we challenged ourselves, and uh, so far, so far, so good. We've been up to the challenge. So yeah, it's been a it's been an awesome month in, in general, Trent. But I, I don't want to uh, go too far away from just how big of a butt kicking this was. Are you ready to dig into just how how big of a butt kicking this was in Hilton? I, I put Stat Boy on the job, and he found. Uh, some, some some true gold for us today. Yes, yeah. I, uh, I, I'm i excited to see this, and, and I'm trying to remember. Football, you know, things usually can pop in, and I don't know, maybe it's just the, the, the way the basketball season goes, and by December you're not just quite ready for it. I don't know. I, I don't have anything that really jumps off, so if you're going to be quizzing me on this, this might just be more refreshing some memories here because nothing jumps out of my mind, that's for sure. Well, you're you're in luck. It's not. It won't be a quiz because, yeah, you would fail this quiz miserably. But there are some pretty awesome names that we when you go to the time machine today. So you ready to hop in the time machine? Let's do it. So I don't want to give Statboy a big ego, but this is one of a couple of his better finds ever. When we get into into the time machine today, but before we jump back 
A couple things first, Trent. I'm sure you saw the, uh, the tweet from people that we have now beat the clones 27 in a row when it comes to uh, men's basketball, women's basketball, wrestling, and football. I'm assuming you saw that? I did, yeah. I saw that on Twitter last night. So I asked that boy, has Iowa State ever had a, even a run even approaching that in any way at all? And he found a pretty amazing information. Not only have they never come even moderately close to that, their men's and, basket, men's and women's basketball teams have never beat the Hawks two in a row simultaneously. Never. There's never been a two-year run where the women's team beat Iowa two years in a row at the same time the men's team beat them. That's crazy. I mean, obviously yeah. that, yeah. So little brother uh, hasn't uh, had quite the success that we've had. You know, obviously the 27 in a row is clearly inflated by the wrestling side, but uh, <laughs> regardless, it's been a pretty great stretch of uh, of dominance. But that, that wasn't Statboy's main assignment. His main assignment was to dig into – Historical butt kickings at Hilton. So, are you ready to uh, to look at where this ranks as far as uh, Hilton butt kickings? Let's do it. Yeah. All right. So, the 16 point victory last night um, tied for the second largest win that Iowa's ever had at Hilton. Uh, and there have only been four times ever where the Hawks have won by double digits at Hilton. So, you ready to look back at uh, those three games? Yeah. Yeah. So the first one of the three, Trent, and when he sent it to me, I figured I'd just gloss over it. But then that's where uh, Statboy did his work and found some, some true gold. So the first time, you got to go back all the way to 1975. Um, and the game itself is not what's interesting. It's some of the, uh, the stuff that went on behind the scenes. So the game itself, an easy 91-75 to win for the Hawks. This was uh, very early Lute Olsen. Iowa came in at 4-0. Iowa State came in at 0-4. So uh, it was a pretty expected result. It was a bad Clones team and a good Iowa team. Uh, but the interesting thing in the box score, uh, the Hawks were actually led by a reserve, uh, Mike Gayton. Matt Gayton's dad scored, uh, scored 16 points to lead the Hawks that night. So. But the pure gold trick comes from a little note at the bottom of the, uh, the box score. That boy found out that the Iowa, Iowa State game was scheduled to start at 7.30, but prior to that, at 5.20 that night, there was a preliminary game between the Iowa Varsity Reserves and the Iowa State Varsity Reserves. you have any recollection of that ever being something that, that happened? No, no, I love it, though. Well, it gets better because not only did, did they have a little note in there, but Statboy dug deeper and found the box score for that game. So, that's, uh, that's incredible. Yeah. So, only, again, I don't want to give a big hand, but this is uh, as good as it gets for Statboy. This is like this is his Christmas present. So, he found the box score for the Iowa Varsity Reserves versus Iowa State Varsity Reserves game. And apparently, this is a regular thing because they, they – the varsity reserves for Iowa were undefeated. They were three and zero coming in and facing a, a formidable two and one clone varsity reserve squad. But uh, two awesome names in the box score for the Hawks. The varsity reserves were led twenty four points scored by Glenn Worley Senior. No way. Yeah, Glenn Worley Senior, twenty four points leading the varsity reserves. Even better, Trent. Um, a, a, a young, an up-and-coming uh, young lad scored four for the Hawks. 
a young Kirk Spira came in and scored four for the varsity reserves. So uh, assistant coach Kirk Spira uh, helped lead the varsity reserves to a 95-68 to dominating win that night. Love that. There's some good names for you. Good stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, uh, again, like I said, only Stat Boy can find that information for us. So, so there's, there's win number one. The second time we've won by more than double digits at Hilton, you got to jump forward six years. 1981, um, another really good Iowa team versus a bad Iowa State team. So, again, the expected result, the Hawks win 79-68. to 68. This is an Iowa State team that uh, had Steve Carfino, Bobby Hansen, Gannon, Boyle, uh, Payne, and Stokes. Iowa State uh, basically had a freshman Barry Stevens and not much else that I could recall. But uh, the good stuff from this one is, is uh, Lute Olson was none too pleased with, with the, the outcome in this one. And in fact, his quote was, I was, and this is heartbreaking to me because you know I love Steve Carfino, but uh, he ripped into Steve Carfino. I was very disturbed by the play of Steve Carfino. Oh. He's not giving us any leadership right now. So, uh, Throws his point guard under the bus after a, a, a win at Hilton. Carfino. Yeah, not getting the good side of things. Okay. No, not that happy. So, so the third one, Trent, and this is the biggest butt-kicking um, not only the Hawks ever have, but this ties for the largest blowout loss for the clones in Hilton history. This is one you should get, Trent. Think back. We won 78-53. to 53. you remember what year it was? 78-53. Three in Hilton. Mm-hmm. 78-53 in Hilton. Trying to think of some bad Iowa State teams or maybe some really good Iowa teams. Oh, boy. Was it with think, Alford as a coach? It was. That's what I was just going to say. Think okay. that the coaching brilliance of Steve Alford, Trent. So let's say it was 2005. Well, you know that's not accurate because – Oh, yeah. All, <laughs> it was 2003 the last time they won there. Yeah. Yeah. Hilton since yeah. 2001. So yeah. it was 2001. Okay. 2001 team, uh, 78 to 53. Like I said, uh, not only was it the biggest blowout the Hawks ever had, but tied to the largest blowout in Hilton history. Four days before, and this was a supposed to be really, really good Iowa team. This was the uh, Reggie Evans, Duez Henderson, Jared Reiner, Wrecker uh, squad. And uh, they lost you and I four days prior, but they, they came in angry, destroyed the clones, um, and uh, an angry Larry Eustace afterwards uh, told the press that this is exactly what he told his players was going to happen because Iowa was going to come in determined. It, it, he was sickened by his team and he told them, I've been around this game a while and I know what I'm talking about. And apparently they don't think so. so uh, but the Hawks dominated. Reggie Evans was put 24 and 17. But it comes full circle here, Trent, because uh, we talked about Glenn Worley Sr. earlier. A young Glenn Worley Jr. as a freshman comes off the bench and scores 14 for the Hawks. So uh, three, you get three box scores, uh, two Glenn Worleys. Good stuff there. <laughs> yeah, coming full circle on that one. Yeah, Stat Boy also really enjoyed it and made sure that I, was, I have to tell Worley only had three fouls in the game, which was well below his uh, – per game average of 3.59. And he wanted me to remind everybody that Glenn Worley fouled out 32 times in his career. 32? Yeah, 32 That's times impressive. in his career. 104 games, no, sorry, 124 games, 32 times he fouled out. So uh, Glenn uh, was no, and as we, as, as I'm sure you can remember, uh, he never agreed with any of those fouls. 
No, no, no. He always had something to say afterwards. So that's uh, so. At least in my opinion, Trent, when you look at those three games uh, and you compare them, I think you can make a pretty good argument that last night was the uh, biggest butt kicking and maybe the, the best win of the group because I think those other three was all kind of expected that the Hawks were going to go in and win. But last night, uh, that certainly was not the case. I think people were optimistic we'd give up a good effort. But uh, like I said, nobody I don't think anybody realistically thought we'd go in and put up Put, uh, put a butt whooping on like you did last night. So uh, we may be talking about the uh, the best all around performance in Hilton the Hawks have ever had. Yeah, it was a great win there, and certainly changed the perception of this team. Now, the anticipation, I think most everybody believes that Jordan Bohannon is going to shut it down. There's been a lot of rumblings that he has another hip injury and he's going to need surgery on his other hip. Uh, that continues to be out there. We'll see when the official announcement is made, either you know over the weekend here or maybe early next week during uh, finals week. But Cincinnati on tap after that next weekend in Chicago. One more non-conference game against something called Kennesaw State. And then it's back into league play. Can this team, minus Jordan Bohannon, can they at the very least be an NCAA tournament team? Yes. Will they? I don't know. But can they? Absolutely. Uh, you know, I think clearly the expectations for this team have changed over the last month. Um, but you know, we talked about it earlier the, the toughness and just the general confidence they're showing right now. Uh, I think everybody should be hopeful that this is an NCAA team. Um, obviously, they've got a, a brutal twenty-game Big Ten schedule coming up. But with how well they've played and the fact that they're eight and three, you know, they've set themselves up. Trying if, if they can go. 10 and 10 at worst in the Big Ten, this is easily yeah. an NCAA tournament team. I mean, you know, the Big Ten's going to be brutal, but if you can win 10 or maybe even, you know, maybe even nine, you're going to be an NCAA team for sure with the resume we've set up. So, um, so can they? Absolutely. Will they? Well, we'll see. <laughs> That's a different conversation. It's going to mean more Joe Toussaint. They're going to have to try to find a way to get something out of pencil, and if it's not, at least a little bit of Riley Till to help out the depth inside when foul trouble inevitably. It's going to happen at some point. We know Brain, of course, still uh, guy, sits guys in the first half with two fouls. Maybe this will be the, the thing that pushes him over the edge, though, if that back injury for Pemsel gets too bad and Garza picks up a couple of cheap ones early on. Maybe he's going to have to change his, uh, his reliance on automatic benching in the first half. Oh, we can only dream, Trent. <laughs> It ain't gonna happen, hey. but uh, yeah, no, I think you you hit. To me, there's two clear concerns about this team. You you hit on the one, the, the lack of depth. I mean, at some point, Garza's gonna get in foul trouble. Mm-hmm. You know, we've already had multiple injuries. You got to assume there's probably gonna be at least some minor injuries down the road. The other concern, I mean, still uh, the lack of athleticism on defense is still a concern for this team. I think any team that moves the basketball side to side moves it well we're still going to struggle to defend. I mean, Michigan was a perfect example. They were an incredibly unselfish team, and they lit us up for, what, 103. So, uh, you know, the defense is better, but uh, is this ever going to be a great I – mean, we're never going to be talking about us being number one in Ken Palm uh, efficiency on the defensive end. No, no, that, <laughs> that, that is not going to change. Though they moved up. They moved up after, after the performance against Iowa State. Iowa State's terrible shooting. Maybe had something to do with it. And how about Luca Garza up to fifth now in the country in the Player of the Year rating at Kempom? First team, I mean, what would it take for Luca Garza 
to be a first team All American. That that's that's a very very prestigious. I was going to have to be good. They're probably going to have to be what thirteen and seven type good in the Big Ten to get up there and maybe finish in the top four of the league. He averages twenty two and eleven. Would that be enough? I don't. I don't necessarily think they the team has to be that great. I mean, they got to be good. I don't think they have to be 13-7. and seven. I think what they have to do is he's got to put up some really good performances in the games that matter. You know, we've got to beat, you know, a top-10 team a couple times in there. He's got to play really well against, uh, you know, Smith from Maryland or, or Wesson from Ohio State. You know, those games where, you know, he's going to be compared against. But if, that, to me, is what matters. He, he needs to have a signature game in there where – you know, obviously you put up 44 against Michigan, but in a loss. I mean, if you go, you, know, you beat Maryland or Ohio State or somebody like that, and he puts up, uh, you know, 30 and 12, uh, he's definitely going to be on the radar. But, you know, here's a question for you, Trent. From just in the Iowa history, is he our best center ever? Oh, boy. AC Earl, Ed Horton, Les Jepsen. I'm just going through my lifetime. Woodbury well, I'm not really old enough. I don't remember. Payne and Stokes, would you consider either one of them centers, or are they both more power forward? Yeah, I, that's kind of I, – I guess I don't think of them in the traditional sense, certainly, of a center. Matt Bullard, same kind of thing. I mean, not really yeah, a center. Well, Bruner, I think, was more power forward yep. also. I mean, but, uh, I mean, he's definitely in the discussion at this point. I mean, to me, it's him and A.C. Earl for – neck and neck as far as our lifetime. Yeah, uh, and, and A.C. was such a good defender. I mean, that's – that's what took him to the next level, and Luca's been better. He's he's uh, not great by any means on that side of the floor, but he's uh, if he comes, you know, there's a chance if Iowa wins a couple of games in the Big Ten tournament, wins a couple of postseason games, gets some extra games, he has a real chance. He's going to have to average a little over 19 from here on out the rest of his career, but he could break Roy Marble's scoring record. Well, that assumes he's around next year also. I mean, I, I think he will be. I don't think he's going to be high on draft boards. No. But uh, you never know. I mean, it's, we're, things are just different now. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, 10 years ago, it wouldn't even have been a discussion of Luka Garza leaving early. But now uh, you never know on those things. But, you know, let, let's, let's ride, this, uh, ride this wave while it lasts, Trent. It's been a fun month, and it would be really, really nice if we could make it into a fun three months because uh, – you know, I think you and I both know, and probably every Iowa fan knows, uh, especially when it comes to Iowa basketball. Usually, these these uh, positive stretches don't last. Yeah, you know? they're waiting right, for the right? uh, the other shoe to drop. Yeah, we're we're kind of the uh, the Charlie Brown when it comes to this. You know, eventually the, they pull the ball out from under you. And, but let, let's hope this is the exception of the rule. At least, at least so far. Again, I think this team's got some kind of different makeup to it than what we've seen out of out of most of Fran's teams. So, one other point I wanted to bring up to you, of course, Cincinnati next on deck, mentioned that earlier in Kennesaw State, but when they get back into Big Ten play, it begins again with Penn State. They'll be playing them at the Palestra. I wish I could get to Philadelphia for that one. I uh, would love to see a game there, but their stretch at the beginning part of the conference schedule, that's where they're going to have to make a lot of hay, because check out this final seven games for the Hawkeyes. This is what they have, the final seven. Back-to-back road games at Indiana, at Minnesota, Ohio State at home, Michigan State on the road, Penn State at home, Purdue, and they finish up at Illinois, an Illinois team with Kofi Coburn looking very, very good. 
That final seven, well, they're uh, predicted to go two and five during that stretch. So you're going to get some wins. You better do it early here in the portion of the uh, conference schedule. Sounds like seven W's to me, Trent. Yeah, look at you. Yeah. Uh, well, and I saw that the start of the Big Ten, when we get back to Big Ten again, you know, that doesn't do us any favors either. I think three out of those first four are on the road. I mean, mm-hmm. our schedule, if you look at it, between Thanksgiving and after New Year's, it, it, there's basically, Minnesota's basically the only home game. I mean, it Tennessee is. State, I mean, it right. that, that's, you know, it is what it is. But, uh, I mean, literally, I think, like, other than Kennesaw State, I think it was eight out of nine games are on the road in there. So, uh, if you can get through that stretch, uh, you know, just playing, you know, get through those first, get through those first six or so Big Ten games, be three and three, and go on a run in that middle stretch. Because definitely that middle area is a little more uh, manageable than, like you said, the, the end or, or the front. Well, the good thing is of those three of the four starting on the road, mentioned Penn State's not actually at Penn State. At the Palestra might be a little more of a neutral site. And then it's Nebraska-Northwestern, two winnable road games that are there with Maryland in between them at home. So they're road games, but they're the more easy road games that you're going to have. Going to be fun. I didn't think we were going to be here with this football, or this basketball team talking about this team after what we saw November 11th to where we are today. It's been a fun run. Yeah, well, it's good. there's going to be some ups and downs. The Big Ten's tough this year, and uh, the 20-game schedule is just brutal. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I hope we can continue to ride this positive momentum for as long as we can because, you know, as we all know, when you lose three in a row, the, the fan base will uh, – We'll turn quickly on them. Finally, uh, let's talk a little football before we get out of here. Holiday Bowl is the destination. We found that out Sunday afternoon. No surprise, really, to anybody. That's where most people anticipated. There are always moving parts, and the bowl selection process is different than it was in years past. But get a trip back to the Holiday Bowl. Not a, I know a lot of bumblebees excited to get back there. And you get a name opponent in USC, a USC team. It's going to be slinging it all over the yard there. Fun matchup for the Hawks. Yeah, I think it, it, to me this game all comes down to whether uh, USC wants to be there or not. If they're uh, excited that Clay Helton stayed on as the coach and they're pumped up to go uh, prove that, then we're probably in trouble. But uh, uh, on the flip side, if, if uh, you know all that negativity has gotten to them and, and maybe they have a few guys that uh, have one foot out the door and are ready to go to the NFL, then you know I, I, I like our odds. But uh, you know, it's a fun matchup in general. I think it's one that you know the fan base is excited about, and you know, it's, you know, you've talked about it in the fa- in the past. These are basically uh, glorified exhibitions, and you know, I think over the years, you know, the fact that we've won two in a row, and you know, I think the pressure is off a little bit. We can go out there and maybe, uh, you know, throw some caution to the wind, and you know, I, I think as a team, we can put some points up on if we uh, if we take a few risks. So uh, there will be no picks this week after uh, the season ends, Biz, and it was awful. You ended up losing $1,200 on the year. I won by only losing 875 What a hideous year for picks. Yeah, just, just poor. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll skip that trend. Focus on the positives. The Hawks are, the Hawks are doing well and all, all across the board. All right, Biz, before we get out of here, let's hit it. It is time once again for Business Beat. Hey, kids, gather around for Business Beat of the Day. Okay, here's Business Beat of the Day. <laughs> 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 
Well, Trent, uh, my guess is this is probably going to be the last time you and I get together until either after the bowl game or after the New Year's. So this is beat uh, is, is I think we did this last year also. But to, to recap the uh, the year in Hawkeye sports, and this was a damn good year in Hawkeye sports, Trent. Uh, you know, let's go back all the way to January one. You know, the year started with a, a bowl win, and then you've got a women's team that made the Elite Eight. You've got a men's team that uh, was inches away from the Sweet 16, football team that was ranked from wire to wire, a basketball team that's playing uh, above anybody's expectations right now, and you've got a wrestling team that looks like it may be uh, returning to dominance. So uh, all in all, a darn good year to be a Hawkeye football fan, and let's hope uh, that continues into the 2020 year. So uh, Merry Christmas uh, and Happy New Year to the Hawks. It has been a great season, no doubt, and we'll get ready for a 2020, hopefully more to come, but plenty to get into and plenty to be thankful for as a Hawkeye fan. That'll do it for this week's podcast, and we'll see maybe this year's podcast. Are you going to the Holiday Bowl? I am not. Uh, I'd love to go, but uh, with the new house, uh, that kind of uh, sucked uh, any funds out at the window for a while, so... Uh, I'm assuming you're not as well with a small child. No, no. Uh, unfortunately, only made it to Kinnick one time, but really need to find a time to get over to Carver this uh, in 2020. Got to find a way to, to make that a part of it. It is a little bit more difficult making the two-hour drive compared to you being there close so just with, with weather and trying to plan ahead. You never know winter in Iowa what it's going to be like, but need to put that on the docket, make my way over to Carver, and maybe watch a little wrestling too. The home wrestling schedule is ridiculously good. Yeah, that boy told me that a half dozen times. So I'll, I'll take him at his word when it comes to wrestling. But uh, January tenth, Trent Maryland uh, Friday night basketball game. Uh, pick up uh, the other hot rods in Des Moines and drive on over. We'll uh, we'll get tickets for it. That doesn't sound like a bad idea. We will talk again soon. Have everybody a merry Christmas, and uh, we will talk to you more than likely in 2020. Maybe we'll give a little preview right before. <laughs> that matchup in the bowl game with the Holiday Bowl. But until then, go Hawks. Go Hawks.